0: morning everybody Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Um, we will get to Christmas in this message but it will just take a little bit of time before we do that too uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, something well I'll tell you how it came about the topic that is I have um, four designated chair stackers in our family and that's Levi and Adam and Preston and Jackson the oldest one is eight nine sorry nine <laughs> my wife is the numbers person in our family and uh, we have a closet that goes in and then deep to the right and they they stack in there and uh, right now some of you're saying to your wife why did we come this morning <laughs> we'll get to it um and so they get the chairs out for me and the card tables and stuff and then when we're all done with an evening maybe we have a big family evening or friends they stack them back for me, and then I don't have to hurt myself. I have banged the top of my head so many times. There's still a scab there. My wife reminded me of the last time I banged my head, and they fit just right in there. The the boys do, but the last time they did the chairs, I went in there the next morning to do something in the closet, and they were just not real good. They were outside and uh, off to the side, and they were all mixed up and tangled up, and it was kind of rather... A mess, and so I thought oh, I'm going to have to restack these. So I started pulling them out to um, redo them, and God spoke to me about that. About many times, that's what He has to do in our lives. If we build a a, a bad foundation, a weak foundation, a um, a uh, <coughs> the wrong foundation, then when God finally gets a hold of us and we finally realize how we've messed it up um he has to redo it and god says you know and and in 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 the context of like age like me 67 um it's a lot more of a mess to re-stack a lot more chairs that need to be rearranged than when you're young and so that got me thinking about a message um, that he impressed upon me uh, for myself. So you guys just get to learn the lesson in me. And that's, that's having a firm foundation, uh, a foundation in Christ. I, I thought about this that I thought, I hopefully this will be a simple message, but profound. Um, I know that it hasn't started off profound. We're talking about stacking chairs. But just, uh, 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 again, just to impress upon us, this time where we, we celebrate the incarnation um, there's the first reference to Christmas. Christmas right there. Um, that and why do we celebrate that that time of the incarnation? It's because Christ came. He's the firm foundation. He's the he's the the beginning and the end. He's the 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 um, Lord God of all. He's the Lion of the Tribe of Judah, but he's the Lamb of God. He's the Light of the World, but he came to a dark world. He uh, he is um, the Master. And yet he became the servant of all. He's, he bookends everything. Uh, I'm going to repeat things. I've repeated this class many times before. But he bookends everything. And we want that to be in our lives. We want him to be the front and the back. We want him to be the above and below. We want him to be our our, our king. And yet he's our servant too. He came to be the servant of all. Um, and that's what we want for our lives. And so I hopefully this message will give us a little bit of our, my... my verses 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11 very very familiar verse paul is um kind of chastising the corinthians about the fact that some believe you know some follow apollos and some follow paul and um kind of choosing sides and taking um and taking allegiances sort of um and, and we know that these were these were uh, you know the the corinthian church that he was preaching to but yet they still fell into Um, And we can do the same thing, where we um, let the material world and the outward appearance uh, become the main thing, and that's not, I like the pastor often says, let the main thing be the main thing. Um, And so we want this, Christ, to be the main thing. We want him to be our firm foundation. So after he went through all that, Paul did, and kind of chastised them for believing that way, he said... For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That right there is a message enough. Jesus Christ, the foundation, the firm foundation. I was r- studying a little bit about foundations. Some seats right here. There's people back there looking for seats and there's a couple right here and I haven't accidentally uh, spit when I talked in a long time. So (laughs) you people, I used to be the thing that I think, you know, you guys should probably be wearing those plastic um, things that they give you at like Marine World in the splash zone. But I don't do that anymore, unfortunately. But I'll back up now that I've mentioned that. (laughs) Um, Okay. For other foundation can no man, and that is that word no man, nobody, no one, none, not any. I don't care how long we've been a Christian, how long we've known Christ. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Well, Marilyn, you're, <laughs> you're in this the slashion. Um Nobody can lay a different foundation. And, and, but sometimes we, we have a tendency to do that. Christ wants no one equal with him in our lives i was thinking about this yesterday and i remember i I struggled with where jesus talked about you know you've got to love me more you know hate your father hate your 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 children your family your brothers your sisters everybody and what he meant by that is there should be no one that is equal with him our wives can't be equal with with him our husbands can't be equal with him Our children can't be equal with him. Our parents, I I didn't have a really good relationship with my dad when I was a younger man because of my own sin and rebellion. But I love my dad. I can remember after becoming a Christian writing him a letter and um, just asking his forgiveness for the type of son I had been. And I think he took it wrong because I got the impression after he he called me and we talked and after I got off the phone with him I thought, and I told my wife this, I thought, you know I think he thought that was a suicide note. (laughs) I think he thought that I was going to kill myself. I say that jokingly, but it was because my brother committed suicide. But but I had to realize that Christ is it. And and nothing else can be equal to that. And if we try to put other things equal to that, we will not have the kind of relationship we want. You want to have a great relationship with your wife? Make Christ first. Nobody equal to that. Make Christ first. You want to have a great relationship with your kids, your family, your uh, people at work, your boss. You want to have a good relationship with your finances? Make Christ first in that. And everything else will flow from that. You want want your kids to be well-mannered? Make Christ first. Teach them Christ and Christ alone, the firm foundation. And all of that will flow from it. You know, we teach want to teach manners, we want to teach good behavior, we want to teach our young men to be gentlemen, our young ladies to be young ladies um, and virtuous and godly. Teach them about Christ and as they fall in love with him, then all of that, then when you teach character, you know, stand in the presence of an old man. Why? Because the Bible tells us to. But it's also a sign because you show the worth of a person. You show the worth of of the person that you're ministering to, even if it's with a smile or with a stand or with a firm handshake. This is just an aside. This is for free. But if you fathers can teach your young men how to shake hands, that would go a long way towards ministering to other people. Old men like I am who remember a dad who taught me how to shake hands realize what an important thing that was for life and showing another man his worth and respect and honor. So teach them how to shake hands. Look a man in the eye, give him a firm handshake, not to hurt him, not to, but, and not to show him how strong you are, but to let him know you're alive on the other end, and smile at him. That was not part of this message, but... <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, To wit that God is in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. God himself was in Christ. God himself, God the Father, wants us to build our firm foundation on Jesus Christ. Isaiah 28.16, this is in the Old Testament, it's throughout the scriptures. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, he that believeth shall not make haste. And what is a foundation? I was looking up a foundation. This is actually where I should probably call um, uh, John Burnett up here and he can tell us about it. I was looking up some different things on foundation and what they are and they protect and how, wh- why do we have foundations. I was looking at the, this, old hu- this old house website. And they wrote, A proper foundation does more than just hold a house above the ground. Building foundations also keep out moisture, insulates against the cold, and resul- resists movement of the Earth, Earth or, uh, uh, around it uh, surrounding it. Oh, and one more thing, it said: it should last forever. Without a good one, you're sunk. Our, we want a firm foundation. It, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a foundation that will always last through the struggles and trials of life, through death of family and friends, through um, maybe uh, a um, a um, when the storms of life come and they do come. I I, I tell young people this. I I know that you're you're raising your young people to be just happy and and carefree and think that there's never any trouble. And then I get to to speak to the chapel about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and I told them that storms of life will come. So if they came home traumatized or anything, like that that was my fault. I I had the difficulty of talking to first graders as well as um, seniors in high school. I used the word when I, I was teaching pretty much this, except a condensed version, and I used the word substructure. And right after I said substructure, I thought, I just lost half <laughs> my crowd right there. <laughs> but, uh, but it was okay because Mr. Craig told me the next day, he says, uh, or, th- or later after I was all done, he said, you know what, he says, you talk to these kids and tomorrow you ask these young ones, what did he talk about? And they say, I don't know. So it did. <laughs> Psalm 118 verse 22 says, the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. After telling the story uh, in Matthew 21 starting at verse 33 of the householder who let out his vineyard to husbandmen and those husbandmen rejected the householder servants and then he said, well, I'll send my son to them. He'll, they'll respect my son and of course they did and they killed the son and said, now we, get to, we can have the vineyard to ourselves. Jesus told in Matthew 21:42, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our lives, in our eyes. This was the Savior, the cornerstone, the firm foundation that was telling the religious leaders of the day, the religious people, the people who should have known this, the Jews, the, the, um, the, 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 the Jews, who grew up with the scriptures, many of them. And yes, they missed everything because they were looking for a political leader, they were looking for an economic leader, uh, economic savior, they were looking for a relational savior, and he wanted to be their forgiver of their sins and come into their hearts and come into their lives and be the very center of their being. Um, We have to come squarely, personally, and decidedly to a relationship with Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Paul, in answering the chief religious men of the day as to what power or what name he uh, had healed the impotent man, the story I'm sure we're all familiar with it, in Acts chapter 4 verse 10, he said boldly, be it known unto you all, and remember he's talking to the religious leaders, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, but by the, that, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, these were they, they were. He was rejected by the religious people. Um, he was rejected because he was going to take away their social standing. He was going to take away their. Poli- they felt he was going to take away their political standing. He was going to take away their economic well-being, and he may do that to us. He may want to bring us to the place in our life where none of that matters but Christ and Christ alone. Remember, great people of the Bible that loved Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength ended up in jail and in prison. I, I was thinking about this today. God, God reminded me of this day. Paul lost his court case. You know, we're, we're looking for, for saviors in the... Oh, if we just had the right to Supreme Court justices. And I am praying for them. I'm so grateful the pastor reminded us to do them. Please do that. Pray for them by name. We have a Supreme Court justice that said that children in the womb are likened to brain-dead people. Are you kidding me? This is a Supreme Court justice that said this. Another of our Supreme Court justices said during those oral arguments about the abortion issue... That, well, if we, if we overturn Roe, the stench that it will make. No, the stench was made by Roe v. Wade. And we need to cut the cancer out. You know, we have to do something s- uh, s- uh, drastic because it's just like a cancerous gangrene leg. That stinks. And they have to cut it off. And so we need to get rid of Roe v. Wade. But we aren't looking for a political leader as... as as uh, impassioned as I can become about that as a lawyer who sees lawyers just uh, uh, carrying on a travesty of Roe v. Wade. It's not that. It's Christ and Christ alone. And we focus on him and remember that he is our leader and that he is our savior and that he will bring about his will even if Roe v. Wade is never overturned in our nation. You know, and we just see it all collapsing down o- around us because it will. The state of California is going to become the sanctuary state for abortions. I just read about it yesterday. I'm sorry to bring these downers up. But, but we can, in the midst of that, in the midst of that darkness, we have got a, an answer for all of that. And people will listen to that. And people will hear that. And it is the message of Jesus Christ. And his, just simplify it right now. His death, as Paul said, In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it is just simply the death for our sins, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you know no more than that to tell somebody, you have said it all. And you have reached their heart for them. And us as believers, remember, I pray that for, for, for each one of you, and I did pray for most of you by name, some of you, I have to say, well, that person that sits over here, and their wife looks like this, <laughs> and um, or the husband has, the, you know, facial hair, or whatever. But I prayed for many of you by name, that you would, and in in the times when, you, especially you fathers of young children, oh, I beg you. Teach them the word daily. Don't make excuses. If 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 you can't get up at five you know it's six or seven o'clock because you've got to you know get off to work then get up at four o'clock in the morning and teach them god's word Uh, teach if your wives are pregnant read that baby the word of god the first the first um sense um of our five senses and i won't repeat them because i'll probably leave some out is the sense of hearing and the last one to leave us is the sense of hearing And so that baby in the womb, read that baby the scriptures. I wish I would have understood this from the very beginning of my wife and our pregnancy. We have nine children. But I did at least for the last three. They heard the book of Timothy and Titus over and over and over again because those were messages to young pastors and young preachers. And we just kept having kids after our beautiful daughter Sarah. We just keep having sons. And so I just figured it's going to be another son. And it was. (laughs) So I kept reading them—the book of, of Titus and First and Second Timothy. I'd come home at, w- at night sometimes, and it'd be dark. My wife would be asleep, worn out from the day, and I'd get a flashlight. I'd open my Bible. I'd sit by the bed next to her, and I'd read to that little baby. And it was not—it was because, first of all, I heard it from a gentleman that I, I admired very much, and and um, appreciated his message. But also, God impressed upon me, why wait? These are children. So why wait to start raising your children after they've already been alive for nine months? Raise your children to love Jesus, to love the Word. And it's never too late. You that have children that are in their 40s and 50s, I invade my kids' lives quite often with text messages. You can ask them um, about the Word of God or about some encouragement I want to give them or some blessing I see in their life. Keep that up. And if you have one that doesn't know the Lord, don't worry about it. Just keep sending. Well, worry about it. Worry about it. I don't, I mean, but I mean, keep sending them the message of God and the scriptures. And I'm going to get back to what I was supposed to be talking about. <laughs> How am I doing? Time? I thought, oh, good. I got a lot of time. I got a lot. Thank you, Marilyn. Um. Anyway, Paul. Um in answering why he saved and talking to these religious leaders, in going on, he said that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone that, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head co- stone of the corners. You know, God forbid... That God would ever send someone to point their finger at us, like Paul was sent to the religious leaders of his day, and say, "This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders." And you and and we're all of us we're we're building. Uh, you know, in in God's given us the ministry of building ourselves up on His life and building. Um, but also building ministries or building uh, families or building um, children or or homes. and, and, um, And I mean that in the broad sense. Don't pass by the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Put at the center of everything. And Paul went on to say, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, a given among men, whereby we must be saved. I so appreciated uh, Pastor Harmon when uh, he made that the memory verse uh, for uh, the time that he was here. Um, I also appreciated very much when he said, when he got married to his wife, you know, she was in love with him and he was in love with him. And uh, <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because I, God reminded me the other day. He said, Mel, you know, you're still in love with you." And um, that's devastating. When he convicted me with that, we 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 we, we can't. This is. If nothing else, if we get this as the main thing because I'm going to share it with you because God shared it with me and convicted the daylights out of me, we can't even have ourselves, we especially can't have ourselves on that same plateau with Christ. You know, uh, um, John the Baptist said it. You know, he must increase, I must decrease. And it's not, he must increase and I'll increase right along with him. Or my ministry will increase right along with him. Or my family will increase. No, he must increase and I must decrease. Just get out of the way and put Christ first. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 through 21 says, Through him, Jesus, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints that of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Well, after the foundation is laid, it's a protection against, it's protection against, like it said, against the cold. It's protection against the wet, the moisture. That I, I, God likened that to, to me. It's, it's going to be a firm foundation. We're going to have protection against rot, against the world that's going to try to creep into us all the time. We have to keep coming back to Christ and the gospel of Christ and thanking God daily that he died for our sins and that we're over that. We have new life in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious, ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We build, once we have that firm foundation, then the building grows. Then we let the Lord build that in our families and our homes and our ministries and our uh, relationships and our finances because it's all his. And he's going to do with it what he will, but he wants to bless it. That's the whole reason. In Luke chapter 6, verses 48 and 49, we have the very familiar verses that I'm sure you all are more than familiar. You've heard them many, many times. He is like a man which built a house. And dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house. You know, I never saw that before. I don't know how I missed that. But this man, it wasn't that he built his house on the earth. It was about, th- about the fact that he never had a foundation. There are a lot of people, you can put a beautiful house, a magnificent house, the best looking house in the neighborhood, but if you don't have a foundation on it, every builder will guarantee that it's going to rot, it's going to collapse, it's going to the wind and the rains and the storms are going to come and the troubles of life, and it is going to um, be a mess. And that person that puts a shack in, but he's built it on a foundation, it's going to stand because the foundation will stand. And everything we build upon that is what is important. Don't set your house up, your home, your life upon the world, the earth. the changes and erodes. Don't even set it up on good things. I have to say this, but don't set it even up on good things like, you know, well, I'm, I'm my church, my Christian school, my Christian family. I was raised in a Christian home. I have Christian parents. They are good, but they cannot save you. Christ is the only foundation that can last forever. And then, and then, family, church, life should be built on him and him alone. Now we're going to get to the Christmas story. If I can find my notes. Now you know what kind of a lawyer I was. Um, In Ezra, chapter 3, you say, what does Ezra, chapter 3, have to do with Christmas? You're going to find out. I found out. In Ezra, chapter 3, after the people of God were um, allowed to go back from the captivity that they were in because of their sin, because they had lost um, their relationship with, in the sense that they'd lost their focus on God. They had rebelled against God, rebelled against his word, um, lived like the world, lived like the devil, uh, had given in to the world's uh, systems and, and uh, philosophies, and God sent them into captivity. Um, some to uh, the Babylonian captivity, some to the Assyrian captivity. And when they were finally allowed to come back by an ungodly, um, world leader um, th- pray for our leaders A guy who was speaking to me about this there has got to be I'm thinking in our day because we just are getting so corrupt in our world that there's got to be a Daniel out there who can sit in front of give counsel to and actually direct you know our president or our governor there has to be a Joseph out there there has to be uh, I believe uh, men like this um, Paul talked about uh, the one um, faithful disciple that was um, uh, in Caesar's household. I think of uh, many of my sons work literally in Caesar's household, in, uh, their, their bosses, Governor, um, Newsome, and their uh, boss is Governor Newsom and various capacities. But pray that there will be men who will love and pray that there is men and women. I mean, I, I pray for I pray for the housekeepers, the yep. servants, the advisors that there would be Christians there that God has strategically planted to witness to these people uh, and share God with them. When the, when the um, Israelites had got back, they wanted to lay the foundation of the temple. They were given permission to rebuild the temple. It was Solomon's temple that had been destroyed, Solomon's temple in all its glory. Solomon being just a very wealthy man, probably one of the richest men in the world, and made a magnificent temple to God. And, and, and God indwelt in the Shekinah. And, and you know, uh, um, but it was, it was destroyed. It was ruined. It was a temple made by hands. And it had been destroyed. And so they wanted to rebuild the temple. They wanted to reestablish their, their foundation, so to speak. And so they rebuilt the temple. It was Zerubbabel's temple. But what had happened is, after they had set the foundation for that temple, the old men saw it the old men that remembered prior to Solomon's temple and its glory and its magnificence. And they said, um, they wept because it wasn't as glorious, it wasn't as magnificent, it wasn't as ornate as Solomon's temple. But the the, the younger people who didn't know Solomon's temple were thrilled and rejoiced that God would, had allowed them to build this temple and it was, you know, it's a nice temple. Then you get to, turn to the book of Haggai. And this was the sempl- second temple, the Zerubbabel's temple. In Haggai, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it, it's Haggai, Luke is the Bible, Luke is the Bible scholar and he pronounces the names right. Um, 2, 1 through 9. Haggai 2, 1 through 9. And I'll find it. Should have had it marked. In that, um, in that portion of scripture, is talking about Zerubbabel's temple. And he recounts that story of how the um, older people had seen the, te- the, the new temple and wept because it wasn't as glorious as Solomon's temple. They remembered Solomon's temple. The younger people who saw it were thrilled Uh, Because the temple and foundation had been laid. And uh, Haggai gave a prophecy to Zerubbabel. I'm going to start at verse 4. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. and, And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord. And work For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenant with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear not, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house. He's talking about Zerubbabel's temple. I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. God owns everything. Did you know God owns all your money? Amen. Yeah, aren't you glad for that? God owns all your money. But not just all your money. He owns the money in the whole world. The Bible says that the cattle on, he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'll take the cattle on one hill. But it's all his. But he was telling them, look, I have all the money. I could build a beautiful temple. I can build another Solomon's temple. I can make Solomon's temple look like a shack. But that's not his point. Here's what he says. The glory of this latter house, speaking of Zerubbabel's temple, shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this pa- place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Turn to Luke chapter 2. This is just repeating a message that I'm sure you've all heard many times before. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, I'm going to jump just around a little bit in there. The multitude of the heavenly host praised God and said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. God sent his son in the form of a baby to live among us. Remember, you know, it was interesting, meditate on this for a while. Seriously, God, who came from the light and the glory and the majesty and the riches and the praise and the adoration of heaven, spent nine months in a dark womb. Nine months patiently waiting. Nine months. That, was, that, that, that struck me as profound. Um, the glory of God appeared. Luke chapter 2, verses 22. I'm going to talk about the, the story of Simeon. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, it's the purification of Mary, Jesus' mother. So this was about 40 days after his birth. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accompli- accomplished, they brought him, meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle loaves, or two young pigeons, that was the offering of a poor person. Jesus' family was poor. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. This was a believer. This, one, w- this man was a man who looked forward to the coming of the Savior that was foretold from Genesis chapter 1 through all the scriptures that the Jewish people had up to that time, including Haggai. And it was revealed unto him, unto Simeon, by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What a, what a promise that he hung on to, that he was going to see the Lord Christ. And he was told this long before, at least if it, it, it's implied in the scriptures, before Jesus was even born. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. So he entered, Simeon entered into Zerubbabel's temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, so now Jesus has entered Zerubbabel's temple to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. The glory of thy people Israel. At that very moment, Haggai's prophecy was fulfilled. The glory of Israel, that Haggai prophesied to Zerubbabel and to Joshua, the son of Zizek, I shouldn't even start at that. It became fulfilled the moment Jesus stepped into the temple. That was the glory that Simeon looked for. No other glory. And that's the glory that we should look for. And the, 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 uh, our lives are fulfilled. Our lives are made complete the moment that Christ steps into our heart and life. And then it grows. And then it's built. And then everything else in our lives will be built and grow upon. Um, I, I pray that this will sink into you. I, I, uh, my wife and I have been going through a um, a, uh, a Advent book uh, by a gentleman uh, by the name of Sinclair Ferguson, a book that our, my son sent us. And it's been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. And um, almost immediately after we finish every chapter and they're talking about love and, and, and um, putting others first and humility, I, I find myself um, violating what it was teaching me. I mean, I was sinning. And um, my gratefulness to God is, is heightened even more by the fact that he died for those sins. Even when I am filled uh, up with God's word, thinking that... Um, Things are great. Um, it's usually just the opposite. God's, that's when God um, chastises me by reminding me. And it is not a burdensome reminder, even though sometimes I act that way. It is a reminder of God's deep, unending, unfailing love for us. I love the, the, the verse that he loves us with an everlasting love. He'll never fail us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. If you don't know the Savior today, the incarnate Christ who reigns in heaven above and is coming back to judge the living and the dead, then I beg you, I implore you to receive Christ as your Savior and to give him your heart and to make him the center of your life. Let him rearrange the chairs in your life. Um we, we, Our message as Christians to people is to rebuild the foundation in the sinner's life. Give them that new foundation. Let them know that Christ wants to be that foundation. Would you pray with me? I'm probably... um, Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of sharing your word with this class because they love you, Jesus. They know your word. They're attentive and... um, um, very kind to me and my family and I thank you Lord would you bless them bless them richly I, I would like to pray the, the blessing that Moses gave to the people of Israel Lord bless them and keep them make your face shine upon them and be gracious unto them O oh Lord lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace Lord would you help them and myself to uh, make sure that uh, we are daily building on that firm foundation of Jesus Christ and Him alone. That we would love you more every day. That we would um, not have anything that equals you, especially not ourselves. But that you would be first and first alone. It would be Christ alone. Lord, we love you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.